0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cold Hard Truth. I'm here with Carter and Tino. How are we doing today, boys?
1: What's going on, fellas? I've been, I've been you know, what are I've, you just, I've just been working like nonstop. Like I'm just happy to sit here and just finally talk sports when working for
0: a week straight. Yeah, it's been Chill a while. A little bit. Tino, what are you eating?
2: Uh, I'm eating some eggs, some potatoes, a little post-workout meal. But I'm kind of late eat for eggs. Though. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But listen, it's never too late for breakfast food. Don't get me started. That's why diners exist. We'll get started with hockey. We're going to go to the Stanley Cup final. The Lightning bounced back after a 7-0 blowout loss in Colorado. They went down 2-0 for the second time. They were down 2-0 to the Rangers in the conference championship. Started out 2-0 against the Avalanche. Came back and won 6-2 in Game 3 at home. Vasilevsky bounced back after his worst performance by in his career as a starting goalie, letting up seven goals. Returns, comes back to Tampa. They win 6-2. Peyton, I want to get your reactions to that game, your thoughts on how the Lightning bounced back, and what they have to do to tie up the series tonight in game four.
0: I think they took advantage of home ice. I think Vasilevsky stood on his head. Obviously, 37 saves on 39 shots is a pretty good margin. Um, Kemper did what we what I expected him to do in the beginning of the series, which is let in a bunch of Horrible. goals. 22 shots on, 5 goals allowed, 17 total saves is pretty horrendous. Um, but I think it's a tale of home ice. Uh, Tampa was able to control pace, even though they didn't have as many shots as Colorado did. Kemper really pooped the bed, to be honest. And Vasilevsky just turned it on, which he is known to do, and he has done many a times in the playoffs. That's why they've won two cups in a row to this point. So, um, yeah, I think they just controlled pace at home, which is expected. Um, But once they, you know, tonight, tonight I would expect Tampa to win again because of home ice. And um, yeah, it's all about Vasilevsky controlling the pace of the game. If Vasilevsky can stop, 40 pucks, then they're going to win.
2: Connor, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, even even after that goal got got taken off the board where it was, where it was uh, offside for Colorado, and, you know, they still even took the lead after that. But I think that that kind of got in their heads a little bit, and that let uh, Tampa get, you know, more comfortable in the game. Um, I sort of think that the Avalanche are making a similar mistake to what the Rangers did. You know, they – they take a two nothing lead in the series and they're all nice and comfortable and everything. And, you know, they uh, they let them breathe in game three, let them get a big win. And uh can't um, can't do that with the uh, defending
0: champs. Yeah, I honestly yeah, def- think the most dangerous thing with the Lightning is being comfortable around them because there's yeah. no room for comfort with a team like that.
2: And something else I want to point out in the first two games. And obviously this could be a thing about home ice and just having confidence in the way you control the pace of the game, like Peyton said, but in the first two games, lightning had a total of 39 shots combined in the first two, they took 34 shots in game three. So they got the puck in front of the net. And when you get the puck in front of the net, good things are going to happen for you. And I think that was the main thing, especially with a subpar goalie that the avalanche have, who doesn't really perform like Vasilevsky does. If the lightning can get, Thirty plus shots on goal. I think that bodes well for them, at least in my opinion, Peyton.
0: It's it's a fair point, but the problem is Vasilevsky just let in seven goals last game. Well, so
2: that, that, like, that was the other issue. You can say
0: it, like Vasilevsky definitely more tried and true and proven to be an elite goaltender, and Kemper is just a kid. But at the same time, the pace that Colorado is moving and the way they, you know, at home, on home ice, those first two games they dominated the pace of the game. I mean, <sighs> Tampa barely even got to touch of the puck or even let alone have any ozone possession. So it, it really is about Vasilevsky standing on his head and Tampa finding a way to just transition as fast as the Avalanche do, which is pretty difficult because the Avalanche move at an unbelievable pace. But the yeah. Lightning are good to get a game back. They definitely needed this game. And if they can continue to dominate on home ice, Vasilevsky plays the way he did last night, um, then I think they come out with another win tonight.
2: Connor, what do you, so Peyton said he he expects Lightning to win tonight. Connor, do you expect Vasilevsky to perform again? Do you expect Lightning to tie up the series? What do you think is going to happen tonight in game
1: four? Yeah, I think that the Lightning will tie it up. And, I mean, just because of the uh, sort of, like, uncertainty that's going on with Colorado's goaltending right now, like, we don't even know who's starting tonight, really. Uh, uh, I know that uh, Jared Bednar said he isn't committing to either Kemper or uh, Francois there. So... um, but, you know, going back to game two in, in Colorado for just a second, I've never seen a team be so perfect in everything that they were doing. Like at Colorado, you really could not, like, critique any part of their game. They were rolling that entire time, and, you know, they obviously took the 2 nothing lead, but now got a, uh, got a big game for tonight.
2: So who would you pick for tonight's game?
1: Uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay.
2: Okay. So in my opinion – I'll give my pick again as somebody who's not as familiar with hockey as you two are, but being with the the whole home ice situation, because I've said prior on previous episodes that I believe home ice for hockey or, or I should say just home home advantage in general is probably one of the most important things in hockey, as opposed to other sports like basketball or football. I think it affects hockey a lot more. So I would go with Tampa to win tonight, just like you two said, in terms of the whole series, I mean, we can go there if you guys want, but I think Avalanche, just because of how young they are and, like Payton said, how fast and quick they can move the puck around, and just I mean, in terms of controlling tempo and pace of the game, I'd probably go Avalanche in six or seven. I don't know what you guys think, but in my well, opinion the –
0: Well, av- the Avalanche the Avalanche will definitely win this series bar Andre Vasilevsky performing like a god, which is totally <laughs> could happen. It's possible, um, for sure. That's the other thing with ho- playoff hockey, definitely – agree with you tino home ice advantage is a massive factor the other thing that's a massive factor is good goaltending and at this point uh, you can say what you want about colorado's offense there uh, i would agree with connor that in game two they were basically perfect but Vasileski's just a tier ahead of guys like kemper and francois if i was colorado i would definitely give the nod to francois i think yeah. he's more relaxed and i think kemper is just too young and he plays too much off emotion of he's played um, better francois that's it yeah. yeah, and it's dangerous to have a young guy in there who, who, again, plays off of his emotions. Kemper seemed to be kind of getting into it with the Tampa players in game in game two, which obviously he had every right to. They were dominating. But I think it's dangerous when you have a kid like that who's really unexperienced, who thinks he has, you know, he should have the reins, when in reality, he hasn't proved very much. And his his team has lit up Tampa Bay offensively. So, again, Kemper could have let in five goals in game two, and they still would have won. So when it comes down to a 0-0-1-1 game, my bet's on Francois, not Kemper. So mm-hmm. if I was Colorado, that's why I would start tonight if they want to win. One more thing, also, like the Lightning have played better without
1: Brain Point in the lineup. Like it's it's actually pretty crazy to sort of think about that. You know, he's just been out, you know, since their their first series against Toronto. And, you know, they've um obviously handled um the Panthers pretty easily, and then they came back and won four straight against the Rangers. He plays the first two games of this series, and then he's out game three, and they win. So it's honestly pretty crazy that their best player's been out, and they've been able to still maintain and play a high level of hockey here.
0: Best best, best player is definitely a stretch, but I would say he's great. One of them. I think he's, I think he's just not fully healthy, to be honest with you. I think he's yeah. the type of guy, if you watch him play, he's small. He has such a high motor. He probably wasn't even close to fully healthy, and he was just – begging to get back on the ice and i think that i think he proved that he wasn't ready because that's not the brayden point that you expect Braden point is again one of the highest motor hardest working guys in the league i mean he works his ass off at his size and he plays way bigger than he is so i i would expect that his injury is probably much worse than he's leading on and he's playing with he's playing through it so probably not the smartest thing for for the team to be honest
2: yeah, we'll see what happens tonight in game four. If Braden Point plays, we'll see how that affects it. Um, I want to move on, though. We had some NHL awards given out last night. The MVP, the Vesna Award, the Norris Trophy, and the Calder Trophy. So I want to get your guys' reactions to the winners of these awards. I can give you, I'll give you the winners of who won each one. And just let me know if we think they deserved it, who else was in the running, that kind of thing. So for the MVP, Austin Matthews, he was the MVP of the league this year for the NHL. Peyton, did he deserve this? Was there anybody else that should have gotten it over him? What are your thoughts?
0: I mean, McDavid, the only other guy is McDavid. But, yeah, no, I, I I definitely think Matthews deserves it this year. He put in a boatload of goals. Um, he's making an argument to be probably the best American-born goal scorer of all time. Um, and I think the only American-born player that could really touch a candle in, in terms of his skill is probably Patrick Kane. Um, so at the age he's at in the market he's at in Toronto, I mean, the amount of guys that go to Toronto and crumble under the pressure, I mean, he's done nothing but produce. Um, when, when guys came out of the lineup, like whether it was Tavares, Nylander, he was always constant. He was always scoring. He was consistent. He was tough. He played well in the D zone. I mean, overall, he just improved his game in every way. I think McDavid had an overall better season. Um, but it's hard not to give it at math, give it to Matthews at his age, especially the amount of goals he scored this year.
2: What do you think Connor?
1: Oh yeah, no, just sort of same thing that Payton said, you know, uh, McDavid obviously unbelievable again. Uh, Shesterkin was the other finalist, but, um, you know, it was pretty clear that Matthews is going to win. You know, whenever whenever he scores 60 goals, it's pretty clear that you're going to win, you know, some some sort of award and obviously the MVP here. So, well,
2: you mentioned Vesna winner Igor Shosturkin. He won the Vesna trophy, which for those who don't know, is the best goaltender in the league. Um, Did Shosturkin deserve this? Obviously, we've been talking about Vasilevsky. He was great for the lightning. But Connor, as a Rangers fan, myself, a Rangers fan, are you happy with this outcome?
1: Happy with it, no brainer. First of many, you know. There's, there's really nothing else to say. The dude is the best in the world this year, and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully he can keep up this this pace of play. He's turning. He's only 26 years old, 27 years old. He's got a baby on the way now, too. I mean, it's just, it's just been a great year for uh,
0: for Igor, and very, very well deserved honor. Yeah, he won by a landslide. At his age, there's nobody that plays at the level he does. He's definitely the front runner um, to take over that kind of mantra as the best goalie in the league, which is. Currently, Andre Vasilevsky, and I don't think there's anybody that's even close. I think, obviously, Mark Shumansaros comes second and third in voting. Mm -hmm. They're both a lot older than Shesterkin is, though, at his age. I mean, he's just a a monster, and I think if you ask coaches around the league who they're most afraid of in terms of goaltenders, they would definitely tell you Igor Shesterkin. He's a problem, so I I completely agree with his Vesna winning.
2: All right, we'll move on to the next one, the Norris Trophy, which again, for those who don't know, the best defenseman in the league. uh, Peyton, uh correct me on the pronunciation here if I get it wrong, but Kale McCarr Maker, Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. So, did he deserve this award over any of the other nominees that were there? I mean, Roman
0: Yosi led the league, led the league in defensive points, I believe. Mm-hmm. So Yosi, I, I mean, if I had to be honest, this is probably the closest one. I think McCarr, at his age, he definitely deserves it for sure. Um, The amount of goals he had this year and just his ability in the zone to skate around a million players and still make a play. Um, I think we haven't seen it in a long time, but Roman Yossi definitely, in my opinion, I think Yossi deserved it this year. Kale McCarr is probably going to win the Norris six to seven times. um, And that's just me being honest. So for Roman Yossi to lose this year, I think he kind of deserved it, but it's going to be cool. I honestly feel like Kale McCarr is going to win a a playoff, like the finals MVP, a Stanley cup and the Norris all in the same year, which I don't know. If a defenseman has done that ever, so that would be pretty awesome to see, especially yeah, I mean, at his he, age. He is on
2: the Avalanche with a chance to win right now. Yeah, right? awesome. That's what I'm
0: saying. So I, yeah. I have a.
2: If I had to put my
0: money on it, who's going to win the MVP? Um, when it's all said and done, the Colorado Avalanche are probably going to win the Cup, and Kael McCarr is probably going to win the Conn Smythe. So Conn Smythe Cup and Norris on the same year at what? 24.3 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, that's that's a problem. For <laughs> sure. God, what do you think?
1: Hundred percent agree with everything Peyton said. You know, just the way that McCarr moves on the ice. I don't think that there's a defenseman who can skate as fast. You know, make make as many plays as as McCarr can. He's just been unreal this year, and obviously going to keep it up uh, during these finals and in his future when you know he wins five, six, seven Norris trophies. Who knows? But yeah, he's he's just an unbelievable player. So yeah. All
2: right, we'll move on to the final one: the Calder Trophy, which is the best rookie in the league. Moritz Sider. Peyton, did he deserve this award?
0: Hundred percent, not even close. He's a ball. He's an absolute baller. Absolute baller. One, he's German. Two, I think he's under <laughs> 21. Three, he stick handles like he's a forward, and he destroys guys. I mean, his potential for me is, like, off the charts. I think besides Kiel McCarr, there's not a young a defenseman under 24 that I would take that's not named Maury Sider or Kiel McCarr. Um, He's very, very, very good. At his age, he plays with an unbelievable level of poise. He brought – he put – Detroit back on the map along with Lucas Raymond who was fourth in voting I think Zegers was close Zegers had a great year obviously the lacrosse goals he's changed the game a little bit with all his crazy stick handling and all his different ideas and he's a dynamic player but I think for actual playing and actual ability and performance on the ice and impact on the team it was more excited without a shadow of a doubt
2: Connor you agree
1: hundred percent agree. You know, um, the Red Wings have been down for a long time, but they've, they've a really bright future with this kid. Uh, They have, they have some pretty solid young players, good veteran uh, presence in the locker room as well. Um, Think that the Red Wings are not too far off and it all starts with this kid.
2: Yeah, for sure. We'll move on to the NBA. Obviously the finals just finished up and I want to go to the Western conference first warriors, are the defending champs. I don't want to focus on them so much. I want to focus on other teams within within the Western conference. Who do you guys think is the biggest threat to dethrone the Warriors in the Western Conference? Connor, go to you first.
1: Mm. You know, I I th- I still think that a healthy Lakers team can be really dangerous. Ah. Um but, you know, it's it's been hard to say for them. I honestly think that uh, the Mavericks are on their way up and coming. The Mavericks, obviously, uh, the Nuggets. But, you know, if, if I had to choose one team, I, I think the Mavericks, just because Luca, Luca hasn't even hit his prime yet, and he's still one of the best players in the league. Uh, top five, no doubt about it. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Mavericks for sure to, to challenge the Warriors next year. I have either the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, or the Timberwolves. Grizzlies one of should, the three. Yeah. I would have the Mavericks at the top of my list. Like, if I had to t- rank it, I would say I'm most confident in the Mavericks. The Grizzlies are right under the Mavericks. And then the Timberwolves would be my dark horse to kind of take over. Shout yeah, out to you I that would, take.
2: I was between two of them. I was between the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies. I think that a team that I'm not going to go with, but should we just be mentioned in the scope of the Western conference next year is a healthy Clippers team. Yes. With a healthy Kawhi and a healthy PG Reggie Jackson. That team is going to be scary next year. I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies though, because I am so, I don't know if you guys know the Twitter beef between Jaron Jackson Jr., Clay, Draymond, and Ja, Mm -hmm. but they are going at it right now. And I cannot wait to see these teams square off in the regular season next year because this has the making of the next big NBA rivalry. And I pray that we get them for a playoff matchup next year because the Grizzlies are going to come back more experienced, more hungry than they were this year. A healthy John Morant, hopefully, knock on wood. But I just think that that entire team with guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., if Dylan Brooks can stay healthy for the majority of the season, which honestly, he was hurt for about over half the year this season. So If they can stay healthy, that young core, those guys, I would go with them to be the biggest threat. Dallas, the Nuggets, because again, the Nuggets, if they get Jamal Murray back and Michael Porter Jr., they're going to be dangerous as well. So there's a lot of teams that could that kind of jostle for competition with the Warriors. But I would go with the Grizzlies because they played them last year or sorry, they played them this year in the playoffs and they gave them a hard fight. And I really just do think they're probably best equipped to battle them in the playoffs. So I don't know if you guys have anything else. I mean, honestly, we could mention, too, it's funny how none of us brought up the Phoenix Suns because I feel like they yeah. went for being a team. Boo. They went for being <laughs> a team that we kind of talked about as one as, as the best team in the Western Conference, and now they're not even being mentioned as one of the biggest threats to the Warriors. But I genuinely just don't see them as a team, especially after losing to Dallas. They're not a team that I view as someone that can really, really challenge this Warriors team and that can even compete on the level of a Nuggets the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, even Minnesota, you mentioned, I was very high on the Timberwolves this year, obviously. And I think they could be very good next year as well. Just keep developing those young guys. So it's just funny how none of us mentioned Phoenix. I don't know if you have any comments on that, Connor, but yeah, the sun's kind of fallen off in our minds.
1: You know, I, I think that if um, uh, DeAndre Ayton was happy there that, you know, they could build around him and obviously Devin Booker, but Ayton doesn't want to be there anymore. And, you know, we don't really know where he wants to go or what the Suns are willing to do. Uh, with him, but, you know, that's, he's a, you know, really big time player and, you know, the sun's losing him. Uh, I, I don't know how, how like they're going to replace him in any way, but um, yeah, definitely Aiton's not being happy in Phoenix is not good for
0: them. Obviously. My two takes are one ever since Pat Beverly said that they wanted the Suns, and everybody wanted the Suns, and no one was afraid of the Suns everybody's written them off because Pat Bev went on national television and said, these guys are clowns. And yeah. I texted Paul George last night and I PG said, he not he's not worried about the Suns at all. So that's why they've lost a lot of respect is because on national TV, they got pooped on by Pat Beverly. Not to say that I respect the opinion of Pat Beverly too much, but that's just the point. Secondly, we're not talking about the Suns. What about the number five team in the West, the Jazz, and what the hell is going on with them? Can anybody answer me? Well, we like, well,
2: we talked about this a few episodes ago, but the yeah, Jazz are a- fire. But like, yeah, what, like where are we? Nice like, like, we're not talking about the Suns.
0: What do we think of the Jazz now?
2: They're they're worse than the Suns are. They're going to be. Yeah. I, so general, so okay
0: okay. Who's going to have a better record next year? The Clippers or the Jazz? The
2: Clippers. Clippers. I if All right. Who's going to
0: have a better record next year? The Pelicans or the Jazz? Honestly, I think the Pelicans might.
2: I I go with the Pelicans because if they're healthy with Brandon Ingram, McCullum, and Zion, 100. So uh, so <laughs> the coach walks, the coach walks,
0: and now we're all like, we're all. But like, the coach
2: hey, walks, dude. We were talking about this last time. Gobert might get, Gobert might want to leave, and Donovan Mitchell might dip. We have yeah, but we we, we no. talked
0: about how one of them it can't be both of them, right?
2: Okay, but even if one of them leaves, I would take a healthy CJ Brandon Ingram Zion trio over just Donovan or just Gobert. So
0: Zion that we never seen, we've never seen Zion. Play, full, okay, full did style. you see the pictures Brandon of him recently? I don't recently? care about the pictures. dude. <laughs> yeah, he what about the third game of the season when he comes down with a rebound and he tears his whole knee because he's 450 pounds? That's, that's true, but the die dude die looks on. like a beast right now. I'm just saying, that's fine. I mean,
2: I hope forget Zion for a second, he looks like a beast. Forget Zion for a second, Brandon, everyone, CJ McCullum. I will take those two over. Uh, over, just all down right, here's how I look at it. Here's
0: how I look at it. CJ McCollum, great player. Oldie, out of his prime, probably going to start losing steam here pretty soon. BI, amazing player. Probably the closest thing to Kevin Durant in the league that isn't Kevin Durant. But if I was to match, you know, Donovan Mitchell and BI, I'm like, okay, that's probably equal. And then I go to McCollum and I'm like, do I really count him as a major asset? Yes, but at his age, like, am I going to expect him to put up crazy numbers next year? Probably not. And then Zion that I've never seen play. What if they retain Rudy? Or what if they get a load for Rudy and then they get a good coach? I don't know. If the Jazz can sell Donovan Mitchell this dream of of this new start or whatever, then I could see a scenario where they're not bad. But again, if Donovan Mitchell walks and goes to New York, which is probably very likely at this point, the Jazz would probably a dumpster fire. But I was just asking about them. The
2: reason I say Pelicans is because there's too many questions around the Jazz at this moment. Again, this could change in a few weeks or a few months when we see what happens in free agency and we see the Jazz make a ton of good moves and wow, okay, they're going to be one of the top teams again. But as of right now, I would look at the Pelicans as a more whole holistic, more solidified team than the jazz are holistic. at this moment. Yeah. More holistic team that they're, they're more, they're more together right now than the jazz are because that's the jazz, fair. All right. Well, one more, more question sports sports
0: then. Out. Okay. So Connor said that the Lakers are going to do well next year. No what I said a healthy Lakers team is still dangerous. What, 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 I mean, who, what, like, even like their lineup right now, healthy isn't a good lineup. Like, even if their their lineup still sucks, like, what does LeBron make that much? Like, is it just that LeBron's at the Lakers? Is that why we're like, oh, the Lakers are gonna jump the my, you know, the, the, the table?
2: We don't listen. I am a like I'm a LeBron fan. Yeah, you know,
0: like, 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 do you think? Like, here's my question, basically. Like, we're talking about how much of a dumpster fire the Jazz are, but Connor just made a point that the healthy Lakers might be good. The healthy Lakers who, like, yeah. Because- I mean,
1: well, listen. You know, I don't know if it was yeah last week. Like, Anthony Davis, like, oh, I haven't shot a basketball since what? Oh my March? god, that was that's great. You know, coming, if I was a Laker fan, I, I don't, I don't know what I would be thinking. Like, what, what have you been doing for the past three, four months? Just can sitting I, can I, doing
2: Let me, Connor, I'm a, Le, I'm a LeBron fan. I am yeah. a current Lakers fan. Let me talk yeah. to you by Anthony Davis. I am so sick of this man. <laughs> when I tell you, okay, forget about the fact that you haven't shot a basketball since April 5th. You haven't shot a, you haven't played for half of the damn season. You haven't, you haven't been healthy since 2020, since the bubble happened. You haven't played a full season. I don't think he's played more than 50 games in two and a half seasons. Like, Don't forget I, this.
0: This is the guy Stephen A. Smith said he takes over Luka. And yes. Oh, my God. This,
2: hold on. Let me, let me get to this. <laughs> hey, please. I am. Just keep the lighting the fire. Man, this, I that's your favorite.
0: That's your favorite analyst. You know, why is he saying
2: that? Davis, this is what I'm saying. Forget about what Stephen A. said. J.J. Reddick completely shit on his take because Stephen A. was stupid in that moment. You would take a healthy Davis over Luka and Jokic? Call me when he shoots a damn basketball, then we'll say he can even, like, oh my, it's just, I can't deal with Anthony Davis anymore because ever since, I I don't want to hear about anything of, oh, well, he still puts up 20 and 10, he can still put up numbers. I don't want to hear it. Ever since he won that championship, this dude has been lounging in L.A., He's out there just chilling, hanging out, going out clubbing, not taking care of his body, not caring about basketball anymore. So frankly, Connor's point, a healthy Lakers team. I don't think Davis, like maybe he's a top 10 talent. I would not put him in the top 10 anymore, even when he's healthy because he doesn't care about basketball anymore. You look at him and it's just like, you can see it mentally. He got his championship and and his switch is turned off. He's done. Mm -hmm. He's chilling. He doesn't care anymore. So for, for for Connor, I I get what you're saying that you you know you want to think a healthy Lakers. Oh my God, LeBron, Davis, whoever else they have. Okay, they can make nobody it else,
0: no one yes. else. LeBron, Westbrook,
2: Davis, and no one okay, else. Westbrook is not first off. Can we can we address <laughs> this at this point? Uh, Westbrook God. is not good nobody anymore. Nobody else. Westbrook nobody is not good. At him.
1: No, he's not. But
2: Connor, I I, I agree with Peyton on this. I don't think we should be mentioning the Lakers right now until we know what their roster will look like because I don't even know if they're going to have the same roster. But two, that really, in my opinion, right now, I'm going to say this: they only have one superstar. I do not consider a healthy Anthony Davis a superstar anymore. Wow, wow! You know. Until he proves, until he proves otherwise, <laughs> until he shows that he cares. You know, he had a game he- seven. But he had a game seven buzzer beater in the final. <laughs> oh, what do you mean, Ooh, Davis?
0: Yeah, was, maybe it wasn't Game 7. Remember that buzzer meter, though, in the bubble?
2: Well, against the Nuggets? Okay, great. That was in the bubble. No, that a I mean, big, that was two yeah, and a half a big, years no, ago. I mean,
0: about, I, that's a big shot, Tito. He's a pretty, he's
2: I will, bad at that. You can't a big mention big anything in the bubble. I'm I will scoring. name you ready right now. I will Yeah, name the
0: bubble up. was a joke, to be honest. Okay. I will
2: name you off the top of my head 10 players that I would take over Davis right now that knock him kind of out of that superstar tier. I would take LeBron over him, KD, Kawhi, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Luka. I would Curry. take...
0: Curry, yeah, Curry, Steph. I
2: have not even mention Steph yet. I would take Steph. That's nine. Give me a second. To think about this one. I would. I said, I, I would. I would. honestly, in my opinion, take Tatum over right now. I would take Tatum. Over. No, Connor, <laughs> shut up. I would take. <laughs> no, I would take. Even though Tatum has been inconsistent a little bit in the playoffs, I would take yeah, Tatum no, randomly. I would take Tatum over that's Anthony Davis. Crazy. That's ten right there, Anthony Davis. In my opinion, until he proves me other, proves to me, and proves to everybody otherwise, he is no longer a superstar. I don't it's consider the him. most
0: important that he proves it to you though, Tino.
2: Yes, to me, that's that's the most important point here. But I don't consider Davis a superstar. We got a little bit off track. I want to go back and just make sure. So we kind of all agree the Grizzlies are going to be one of the biggest threats. I know we mentioned the Mavericks. Connor said the Mavs for himself, and I think the Nuggets should be in that conversation as well. we'll I think on. those three
0: teams are certain. Yeah. yeah.
2: We'll move on to the Eastern Conference now. Obviously, Boston was the reigning defending champs in the East. For me, I'm going to give my biggest um, my, my biggest competitor to dethrone them in the Eastern Conference. I think it's still the Milwaukee Bucks. I think mm-hmm. that with the combination of Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis, the rest of their role players. I know people are going to say, well, Brooklyn, what about them? Well, we're going to get to uh, talks about Brooklyn in a second with Kyrie Irving, and that'll kind of explain why I'm not picking them. I know Miami Heat are there too, but I just think when healthy, Milwaukee is a much better, well-rounded team, and they have more star power than the Miami Heat do. So I think it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm going to go with uh, Milwaukee. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts, but I go Milwaukee for sure.
1: Me too, honestly. I I, I just I just really don't think that the East is like very you know like
2: dominant. They don't have a lot of top yeah. powerhouses. Yeah, they don't have a lot. Of, I, think, they, I, think, I don't. think
0: I think the 70, I think the 76ers and the Bulls could make could make some some noise next year if I had to guess. If, if the Bulls sign Zach uh, Levine... The biggest
2: goes, threat to dethrone the Celtics, though?
0: No, I'd say the Bucks are the number one, but I think if I had to pick two other teams that I'd be worried about if I was Boston, it would probably be Philadelphia and Chicago. If, if the Bulls sign Zach, Zach Levine... The, if the yeah. Bulls give Zach Levine a supermax, I feel like he's going to lead them far into the playoffs. That's my opinion. I'm a my big Zach is, Levine guy, though.
2: My yeah. thing is... Billy, though, is you have to premise uh, make the premise off of what James Harden's going to do because James Harden right now she said he wants to ready. stay. Yeah, and I mean, even if they even resign him, that's the other thing because they have to give him a long term extension. But the other aspect is too is that James Harden last time we saw him really only had one good game in the playoffs, like one good twenty five in kind of twelve game and. He doesn't have as quick of a first step as he used to. He's not playing it as much of a high level. You're bugging that out.
0: Is- You're bugging I'm out. I'm not bugging You're- out. He watch watch, watch bugging. him play.
2: I'm not bugging out whatsoever. That's how, he,
0: that's how he played at the end of last year. I doubt uh, – like I'm going to say –
2: But again, I'm going off
0: – In the East, James Harden, Joel Embiid, like – I'm going know. off the Definitely last star. Middleton, Middleton, Giannis, Bobby Port, like that's a different, like the, the Bucks are still, you know, Jimmy Butler, yeah. Tyler Hero, bam. Yeah, diff- Miami, Miami, and Milwaukee are in a different sphere. Yeah. But the 76ers are right on the cusp of that with two superstars. Oh, no, I know. And and I, if, Hard- I, I, if Harden, if if Harden comes in all of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, he didn't lose a step. Like he's regained his step. Like, yeah. what do you think? Like, come on now. Like, lost his step. Listen to what
2: I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, like, he's in, like, a walker. So, like,
2: yeah, he I didn't say he's in a walker. Like, what I'm but saying
0: la- is... But la- last year was extremely volatile as is. He jumped from team to team. He wasn't committed. He wasn't healthy. I mean, no shit he lost his step. He looked like crap. I'm not surprised. Yeah, but but I, now but- that he's he's in Philly and he's verbalized that he'd like to stay and he's with a superstar in Joel Embiid, who's argue I'd say, top five talent in the league. I don't know. I'm pretty... I'd be worried about him.
2: It's just the point that the last time we saw him play, he had lost a step. So I'm not saying he can't prove us wrong and come back with a fresh offseason, a whole offseason with the Sixers and prove us wrong. But what I'm saying is the last time I saw him, the evidence I was provided, it did not seem like he was that great of a player anymore. He wasn't That's the general part to hold. So yes, That's I'm there's 100% a hundred percent of chance, especially with Tyrese Maxey, because we didn't even mention him. And Tyrese, yeah, Maxie Maxie, and a young Dirty. bucket, Tobias Terrace, too. They have a good team. I'm just saying that I need to see Harden and B to really lock down this dynamic duo moniker that we're giving to them, and really show us they can be one of the best duos in the NBA. I like, think like, I
0: think they'll be. I think they'll probably be the, the best duo in the league next year if I had to, if I had to put my bet on it. Uh-huh.
2: Hot, they they need to be like a Jamal Murray kind of Jokic where they need to prove to us. they. Can I, think, be like the, I think it'll be exactly, I think it'll
0: be exactly like Jamal Murray and Jokic. And I uh, like a, almost like when, when Jamal exactly Murray and Jokic were in the player. bubble performing at that level, I feel like that's what that's, that's going to be Embiid and Harden in my opinion.
1: Yes.
2: Connor, Connor, yes. what you, Do you do were Peyton?
1: Yeah. Um, I do I, I just don't really believe in, in James Harden at this point, you know, Tina you know, sort of on your side, just to see if he, come back with that quicker step after some time off obviously Peyton I agree with you uh and Bede's just an unreal talent but um to be to be a threat in the east yeah but like not to the extent that the bucks will be to uh to Boston it all
0: it all goes back to Tino's point where it's all it is true the whole art we all know Embiid's gonna go get his get his work in he does it it's all about Harden if Harden yep. performs there, if Harden really, really performs at Billy and he, he, he solidifies his position and he's home and he's comfortable and he's balling, they're going to be a problem, dude. Like, they're going to be a massive problem.
2: It all rests on the shoulder of James Harden and Doc Rivers coaching a little bit.
0: Especially yeah. the first full season for Philadelphia without Ben Simmons, probably going to be the
2: best one in a long time. Yeah, that's something – and that's the thing I want to look at too is how they how they connect when Embiid and Harden get a full offseason, a full – like the, the full – the full amount of time to get their training in again, without the distraction of Ben. It's, Simmons. Replace,
0: it's replacing a villain with Batman and Robin, you know, you yeah, just gave MB to Robin right. and mm-hmm. you'd replace the villain. I think
2: it's a great and, and, scenario. And you, and you get to have an off season without the constant distraction and turmoil of the Ben Simmons situation, which could exactly. Be yeah. So I want to move on though, away from just the conferences for a second and go to a specific player. Now, as, as, in, as indicated by reports from the athletic Kyrie Irving and the Nets are at an impasse on their contract talks. Kyrie is in a situation now where he can either opt into his current contract. He has a player option this off season. He can either opt into his contract and make $36 million going into next season, or he can get an extension from the Brooklyn Nets, like a super max max deal, whatever it may be. Or he can opt into his co- or sorry, opt out of his contract and become an unrestricted free agent for this um, upcoming off season. So and uh, teams, if he does opt out of his contract, the teams that have been reported to be in the mix of, of acquiring him, again, reported by The Athletic, are the Knicks, Lakers, <laughs> and Rutgers. So my question to you is, actually, before I ask my question, I want to go on a little Kyrie rant here because I've done this before on the Please. show many times. And I am just, again, I'm, I'm sick and tired of him. He has played, <laughs> so out of a total, a possible total 226 games in the first three years he's been in Brooklyn, He has missed a total of 123. That is basically half of the games he has missed. And he chose to not get vaccinated last year with the whole uh, New York vaccination COVID status, like the, the, the guidelines, whatever you want to call it. He missed 53 games last year due to that. Couldn't play home games. Kyrie Irving, I don't think, even if the Knicks, Lakers, or Clippers, let's say for argument's sake, he opts out of his contract. And the Knicks, Lakers, and Clippers have an opportunity to get him. On the court, Kyrie is one of the most prolific players on the basketball court when he's on the court. Because recently, you know, if there's a riot at Capitol Hill, if there's something going on in the world, Kyrie needs to take like a month off of work because he needs to handle his mental stuff. And listen, I get it. Stuff happens. There's going to be things that happen throughout the course of your life that you're not going to like. You're not going to want to agree with whatever. That does not mean that we just say, okay, I'm going to just stop doing my job for like a week and just leave. And no one's going to know where I am. And then I'm going to, like, that's not what happens here. Especially when you're making $36 million a year to play a children's game, basketball, and you don't game. want whatever, a man's game, you're playing <laughs> basketball. It's not like you're going to do construction every single day. You're playing basketball and you're pretty damn good at it too, Kyrie. So, for you, every single time something happens, whether it's politics, whether it's the earth, you know, someone telling you the earth's not flat, whatever the hell it is, for you to cry and do all this stuff, and you don't yeah, want your points. Your points.
0: Uh, your point's the opposite of true. The construction worker can't take a day <laughs> off of work because he can't afford to take a day off of work. Can you just construction worker? The construction, you're not, you're worker, the construction worker. The construction worker needs pension. and He works for a union. Hey, and you're missing the point. If he doesn't point, go, if he misses a month missing, of work, you're he missing he the point. Work, his job is gone. It, irving you're missing the is point a athlete who plays professional sports so when he feels like crying and whining and going into a corner everybody says oh yes mr irving please just pay me and i'll be quiet and that's all he
2: does he no, pays everybody
0: and they tell him doing you're the right the- thing.
2: payton you're missing the point of what i'm trying to say is i'm making the point that no team whether it's brooklyn giving get, signing him to a new contract If he opts out and becomes a free agent, no team in the NBA, I don't care if, like, Connor, you're a Knicks fan. I think you'll agree with me on this. No team should be giving Kyrie a contract for more than one year because you have no guarantee what the hell this guy is going to do. You have, you, what, you're saying three years? He'll get three years.
1: I wouldn't give Kyrie Irving a contract for one hour. The Knicks will okay, give him a three.
0: If the, Knicks, if the Knicks don't get Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks will give Kyrie Irving a three-year contract. Why, why would you give him a- duty Why would they, they, they do that? Because He'll they're, because they're morons. What do if you the mean, Knicks do that, I am I'm jumping
1: ship. I'm done. They're
0: idiots. They're idiots. What do stupid people – look what the Browns did. They're <laughs> idiots. It's stupid organizations that make dumb decisions that have lost for a long time. So they pay guys. Because they wanted, because somehow they're convinced that something's going to change. That they're going to be, like, Kyrie Irving will go back to Game 7, Cleveland, Kyrie Irving. But that never will happen. But the Knicks, because they're so bad and they're so stupid, they will pay him. The Lakers, because they're so bad and they're so stupid, will pay him. That's what teams like that do. That's what bad organizations do. They the make bad, bad decisions. They pay the There's wrong amount of money to right the wrong guy.
2: Don't say the Lakers are a bad organization. Don't compare the Lakers' organization to the Knicks' organization. You that's just crapped
0: all over Anthony Davis, who's your son,
2: Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. I said organizational. I'm talking about. A, l- l- listen to me. So the organization that's run by a player isn't a bad organization. You can't. The organization. Com- the,
0: or, come on now, Tino. Come you on, can't Tino. Compare-
2: Sorry, Connor, Connor, jump in here. You can, after i say this, you cannot compare the Knicks organization, a team that has been running to the ground for however, however many years, to a Lakers or organizationally, to a, that kind of, there's no way you can compare that. Connor, please how back was the end of, How
0: was the end of Kobe's career?
2: Connor, please back me up, Connor, please. <laughs> I'm not no. wrong. Yes, you are. You're 100% wrong. When's the last time the Lakers
0: won, you know? 2020. Besides, all right, all right. Besides the bubble, and we, which we can agree, the bubble was an anomaly. It's not the same. It's n- it was not. Fine. The
2: same. They won in 2010. Tino, Tino,
0: nothing. Of, okay, and Anthony Davis was also amazing in the bubble. And you're When's saying the last not, time like,
2: the Knicks won, Payton? A long time, Tino, yeah, but last you know,
1: 1973. Don't compare okay, these two organizations. A little bit
0: longer, Payton, of Payton, Payton. But stop. Minus stop, the bubble, and minus that one year with LeBron and AD, where they did well. Then the Lakers have sucked. They've been awful. The end of Kobe's
2: fear, they were terrible. They were the worst team in the league. Stop it! You cannot stop it. You can't. Compare if we're talking the-
0: about the last ten years, the Lakers are just as abominable of an organization as the Knicks, in my opinion.
2: Connor, get Connor, the Knicks get don't in have here. LeBron. Like, what are we talking about? Connor, get in here, please. Yeah. Um Just I want to I ask you a question. Real yeah. Quick. Let me let me ask you a question real quick. In terms of so, what do you think? First off, Kyrie is going to do. Back to this conversation. Do you think Kyrie is going to opt out? To, opt out of the contract, and if he does, where will he go? Knicks, Clippers, Lakers, another team? Where? Like, what's going to happen with Kyrie?
1: I think he. You know, let me just say one point on the Knicks. The Knicks are star hungry. So, as much as I don't want to believe what Peyton's saying, I wouldn't be surprised if he opts <laughs> out and the Knicks. I, I don't think the Knicks will go three years. I really don't. But if they give him two years, two or two or three, one of two or three. I I don't want him anywhere near Kevin Avenue. Like I just don't. (laughs) For three years, don't. Three years ago, yes, I would have loved it because Kevin Durant would have been here too. But no, true. Kyrie by himself is a disaster waiting to happen. Peyton, you can speak to that as well because he was on your team by himself. But he
0: has grown. He has grown from that. I think that he was, I think grown he was Boston. He's worse as a person. Worse. I don't know if he's, do he's, worse. He's, he's, he's more mentally, I don't know if he's mentally ill, but he's more delusional than he was in Boston. <laughs> but he's less, he's less manic. And the problem with Kyrie in Boston is he was so manic and competitive to lead that team. And when it didn't work, he lost his marbles, and he just blamed. He deflected all the blame on everything that was around him. But it's at been this point, ever since, at this point though, he's kind of done the opposite, and he hasn't deflected blame on anybody. He's kind of just taking all this heat for the decisions he's made. So I don't know. Maybe he'll be all right. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm. He's such a question mark, and I'm so tired of talking about him because he hasn't played a hill of shit worth of basketball in two yeah. years. So why do I care? but I will guarantee you that some team will pay him a whole lot of money to make a mess of their organization or to help them out a lot. Only God knows what's going to happen.
2: One more thing I want to bring up, Connor. I want to get your opinion on this. Sorry. No, this is, this is important to the conversation. Yeah. Obviously when Steve Nash was hired as the head coach, Kyrie kind of came out and said, we don't really need a coach. We'll just go play and do what we want to do. And that's fine. There were reports and Stephen Stephen a mentioned this. This is one of the good things that he kind of provides of his insight and like just insider knowledge and stuff. Steve Nash would hold practices and Kyrie would then take players from the team and hold his own private practices right after Steve Nash's practices. So my question is in all of this, does Steve Nash kind of take any blame and should he even, should he even still be the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets going forward?
1: You know, I, with, with those two superstars, it's so hard to, you know, make your own decisions because they're always in your ear and telling them, and telling you what they want instead of what you want. So I mean, it's it's kind of hard to blame Steve Nash because he's not really making his own decisions. It's coming from his players. And okay. Steve
0: Nash isn't Phil Jackson either. <laughs> like that's the problem. Like, like how the hell, how the hell is Steve Nash supposed to handle all of this? One drama, two personalities, like with the and three expectation. It's like, his first it, coaching job. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just really I mean, hard for him to. Yeah, he was probably just trying to keep whatever they had going together for the time that that you know what I mean like he's probably just doing the best he could to keep everybody at peace and everybody just on the court and that like even that it, it didn't go very well so I know I don't blame Steve Nash I think you I think know, Steve Nash go to a different organization if they fired him and he got a new head coaching job he would probably do great I mean it was just that whole Brooklyn team was destined for for disaster from the start apparently yeah I mean you
1: like, you know who deserves more blame than Steve Nash? I, I think that Kevin Durant deserves a lot of blame for what's
2: going on with the next. I
0: agree. A lot. I agree. Because,
2: because I want to know how this is going to impact him, Connor, because, again, you yeah. now, if Kyrie leaves, KD chose to come here mainly because of Kyrie Irving. So what happens to Kevin Durant if Kyrie leaves? Because then he's stuck with Ben Simmons and a bunch of role yeah. players. What happens yeah. to Kevin Durant? What does he want? Like, what, what does he want out of all of this?
1: That's why I should have gone to the Knicks you know. but besides that, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really tough. I mean, the, the dude definitely didn't imagine Kyrie sort of acting this way and then being left with, with Ben Simmons, who can't get out of his own way to begin with. So this is obviously from a Nick point of view, this is, this was my dream when all of this was happening. When my, when my fandom was being questioned, when Kyrie and Katie didn't come here, we didn't get Zion. That was the worst summer ever. Fast forward to this summer, it's been great. Kyrie is a mess. KD doesn't know what he's doing. Simmons is sitting on his ass somewhere. But, you know, for, for him personally, I I like Kevin Durant. Like, I want I want him to succeed by himself. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to him staying in Brooklyn, whether whether Ben Simmons plays or not, whatever. I want KD to win a championship by himself, and Kyrie's more of a distraction to him than than anything else.
0: If KD wins a chip next year with Ben Simmons, that'd be sick. I totally yes. agree. Like I'm mad awesome. at KD. I'm mad at KD because he he kind of constructed this whole Brooklyn thing and it just completely shit the bed. So in that way, I'm like, why were you trying to be GM when like you just shouldn't have been? Like, but I think at this, after all this has happened, hopefully he's learned a lesson that it's like I can only control what I can control, and like I'm a bucket. Let me just go get one. And I don't know, I think I think he'll come out with vengeance next year. If I know Kevin Durant at all, he's going to come out pissed off. And again, if he's if the only other guy on the team is Ben Simmons, then he's going to be controlling the ball 80% of the time. And he's probably going to put up a monster amount of shots and make a bunch of bad – like, I, I I would be surprised if he was bad next year. Even if he's playing by himself, he's probably going to be great.
1: If he wins a championship by himself, his legacy goes from a follower – to a true leader that led his own team to a championship. Could not agree I more. About it. I mean, 100%. Could
2: not agree more. The last point I want to make on this before we move to the next topic is Kyrie is unreliable. He's a cancer in the locker room, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think any team should want to give him a contract, and if they do, not for more than one year. The NBA oh, should
1: boycott Kyrie Irving. Every <laughs> team get in a room where no one no
2: one signing Kyrie Irving. Dude, yeah. that, no, no,
0: no. They, no, bad idea. <laughs> bad, I, that, then you get Colin Kaepernick version two. Oh, there
2: we oh go. yeah we don't yeah we don't, we don't need yeah. all that we'll move on to the <laughs> next player i want to talk about bradley beal who is basically in the same kind of situation that Kyrie is in not in terms of in terms of contract, okay. contractually wise he can either opt into his contract this upcoming season or he can opt out and become a free agent he's also eligible to make a, to get a five-year 245 million dollar supermax extension from the wizards so first question about the supermax should the wizards want to give him that much money is he is he worth it
0: yes yes definitely okay
2: now in terms of bradley beal's point of view do you guys think that he will opt out of his contract or if he will opt in and if he does opt out what is the best landing spot for bradley beal peyton i'll go to you first
0: i highly doubt he opts out even though it's all over twitter he literally was on twitter if you check his twitter he like quoted a tweet that was basically saying that he was going to opt out and he was like huh Uh, I highly doubt my guy Bradley Beal is going to opt out of that big of a bag. And I don't really know what team needs him right now or what team could be able to pay him that's even a contender. So I I don't know. All right, let me hear. One in the
1: east, one in the west. Miami Heat, Bradley Beal. Interesting.
0: (laughs) I don't know that. You don't think he'd be
2: good there? Uh, The team I was thinking of was the Mavericks, if I'll be honest. Yeah, no,
1: me too. Yeah, Mavericks in the west, yeah.
2: Okay, that, but that was like the only one I really, that came to mind for me. Miami, I'm like, Miami's already- not, no, Miami – I, I can, I can, the
0: Mavs and Miami are both in very similar positions in the East and the West. So I can understand this, this, this thought process. Dallas thinks is more of a oh, stick.
2: You pair Luca, a playmaking, like you compare Luca and Beal together with now because he traded for Christian Wood. And you, like, that to me, you know makes what?
1: I co- completely forgot about Christian Wood.
2: Like that to me makes more sense than a team that already has Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. To, like they already have yeah. I think, like enough pieces. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Dallas, besides Luca and Christian Wood, and then Brunson off the bench, Beal would slide in perfectly there. And my like, that's like the only thing that came to mind. Yes, no. but also Miami would have to do like more moving around, and they would lose more in trying to get Beal. Or, like I don't know. I just think in terms of fit, Dallas is by far the best place for him, in my opinion. I know you were I think it's the that. only
0: place, really, right? Like realistically where else
2: is
0: he where else is he he fit that's a contender that would give him a supermax i mean not
2: even not even a supermax where else could he go that would give him a chance to win because he really has been in a a terrible situation in washington and he's also in a situation now where they're more in a rebuild kind of mode they have denny out they have they have a lot of younger guys on like on that they drafted the last few years say it again poor Zangus. Yeah, Porzingis like they're they're <laughs> on the younger side of things, and Beal's getting Prospect. towards I believe thirty years old. I think he's already thirty. So you want to put him in a situation. i you know Dallas obviously has young guys too, but they're in a better situation to win right now, obviously, than Washington is. So. I just and listen. If I'm if I'm the Wizards, I want to do everything I can to keep Bradley Beal because I think Beal is a very underrated player. He's not great defensively, but as an offensive player, a bucket getter, he's one of the best there ever there is in the NBA right now. So if I was the Wizards, I have the cap space. Who else is going to want to come to the Wizards? I don't really hear any, any rumblings about guys wanting to go to Washington. So in terms of having the money to sign somebody, Beal is really the only one I think you're going to really like – a, like a superstar caliber player, a guy who can reach that level. He's the only one you're really going to keep around and kind of attract, in my opinion. So
0: if, the so, get, if the Mavericks get Bradley Beal, are they automatically the favorite in the West? No. I wouldn't
2: give him the favorite, no. Because I, I I would still, still give still it, the Warriors. I would still give It'd it to happen. the Warriors, and I still think Memphis would have to be oh. – I you would put Memphis
0: above. You put members above Dallas with Bradley Beal.
2: Yeah, because I would. Luca and Beal would need time to learn how to play together. About, uh, because because Luca Luca Bradley Beal and Christian Wood would still need to take a little bit of time to play together. They might have a rocky start in the beginning what? of the season. What rocky do you mean
0: start? Luca's the fastest transition guy from from. Like, come on now, man! I, I'm I saying think, to
2: learn how to gel and play together. What, what
0: I think mean? they'd be. I think. I think if anybody. I think if anybody in the league that can seamlessly play with anybody else, it's definitely Luka Doncic. I mean, the dude can – I think Luka could slide into any team any day of the week, and he would play just as fluid as he did on the Mavericks. I mean, he – like, who's – I don't know. Whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think there'd be – all I'm saying is I don't think there'd be much of a transition period, and the Mavericks would most likely dominate with Luka, Bradley, Beal, and Christian Wood. I mean, that's a hell of a big three in the West.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it will be a very good big three. Again, I just – I I still love I like Memphis a lot and it's just a matter of I really want I want to see I want to see them play together. I want to see how they would fit fit together cuz again, we don't even know if this is going to happen. Hypothetically, I need to see them how they fit together and play well together. But listen, that'd be a great pairing if it did happen. We'll move on. The NBA draft is tomorrow. Um oh. I want to ask you guys. I know maybe like you guys don't follow college basketball as much. I'm a huge college basketball guy. I've been following it all season. Huge March Madness fan. I'm going to give my take on who I think should be the number one pick for tonight. Then I'll ask you guys. Really, the top prospects going in are Jabari Smith, a forward mm-hmm. out of um, out of Auburn. Chet Holmgren, a freak in terms of the fact that how tall he is and also how skinny he is coming out of Gonzaga. He's seven three and he weighs like barely even two hundred pounds. He really <laughs> is underweight. And then you have Paolo Banquero out of Duke, who is very, also a forward, kind of similar to Jabari Smith. Um, my number one pick. The Magic have the number one pick, by the way. I think they really should go with Paolo Bancaro. I think that Bancaro, in terms of intangibles, uh, like a ready NBA body, and in terms of how he plays and his skill set, I think he's the best player in this draft. I think he will end up being the best player in the draft. Jabari Smith, in my opinion, is right there at number two because they both kind of have similar play styles. And, again, they're both forwards. They're both lanky bigs. They're stretch guys who can shoot the three ball but also can drive, play in the post. They have a lot of different um, – they can, they can score in the mid-range. They can score at all three levels. I would say Jabari Smith is probably a little bit better of a defender just because of his wingspan and his length. But in terms of intangibles, again, skill set, me watching – Bank, I watch both of these guys play all season. In my opinion, Bankera, when he's aggressive and when he really – when he's looking for his shot and when he's on, I think there's nobody better than Ben Carroll. So I think the magic go with him at number one, Connor. I don't know if you agree with that. I know there's guys like Jaden Ivey, Johnny Davis, a lot of good guys, Keegan Murray out of Iowa. So what are your thoughts
1: from a Nick fan point of view? I hope they trade up to get Jaden Ivey. That would be unreal. Oh, Jaden Ivey's beast. Yeah. Yes. From, from the number one pick, I think, I think it is going to be Jabari Smith. Uh, like you said, 6'10 can shoot, can play defense uh i think that that's a guy that the magic have you know obviously had their eyes on for a long time and like the type of player that they need you know they don't really have like a number one guy that they can really go to at this point so you know mm-hmm. getting getting a guy with the number one overall pick that can do it all would obviously be great uh for them so uh jabari for
0: me hey who do you think i had ben caro and i think they'd be making a large mistake to pass up on paulo and take jabari smith that's just my opinion but yeah. I, I i said it I tend to side with you, Tino, where I feel like is just the most polished player in the draft. And I ultimately think he'll be the best player to come out of this draft. So, for me, it's no doubt, Paolo, But
2: Because – and part of me thinks – I feel like Paolo has the highest ceiling in this draft. Mainly be – and I know Chet – a lot of people say because of how undersized he is. If, and Connor, I want to ask you about him in a second. But if Chet can put on size, he's going to be a monster. If he can grow <laughs> into his body and really – put on some weight, like Giannis did coming in. Cause Giannis almost had a similar body to Chet coming into the draft and Giannis put on like 40 pounds of muscle. Porzingis and too, free. a little bit. Yeah, Porzingis same way. So Chet, I'm not saying can't get there, but as of right now, I don't look at him as one of these, like, I, I don't look at him as, I think Jaden Ivey's a more, a more interesting and a better prospect than Chet right now, in my opinion. Um, but I go with Paolo a lot because of his ceiling, because there were so many times throughout the throughout the NCAA season when, I would have people saying to me, you know, Paolo doesn't look very aggressive. He doesn't look like he wants it a lot. And there'll be games where that would happen. He would only get like 13, 15 points, but then he would have games where he was aggressive, the most aggressive guy on the floor. He would drop 25 and be the most dominant and be the most controlled player on the court. And everyone would look at me and go like, wait, where did this guy come from? And I'm like, guys, he's always been there. If he can go to the right NBA team. And I, again, like when you're at the top of the lottery, going to the right team isn't always what's going to happen for you, but just getting to a team that can try to help mold him and develop him. I think that if he can play with that high of a motor constantly, because Jabari Smith plays with a high motor more often than than, uh, Paolo does. So I've seen what Smith can do at his highest motor consistently we really haven't seen that from Paolo yet because he didn't do it all season. Right. When I, when I see Paolo get into his full form and really play at that aggressive level that I've seen him play at countless times, cause I am a Duke fan. So I watched them more than I did anybody else. But when I watch Paolo play at the aggressive level that I've seen, especially in multiple games in the tournament, he is the most dominant player in this draft. And I cannot wait to see what happens with him and these other guys. Cause a lot of people think it's just Paolo Smith and uh and that's it. That's far from the truth. Keegan Murray is a bucket out of Iowa. He averaged almost 30 points per game. Jaden Ivey is the next coming of John Morant and the way that he plays. Athletically, he plays just like John Morant. He can shoot the three ball. He's a great playmaker, great facilitator. He's only going to get better. Jaden Ivey, in terms of, again, who he reminds me of, is a young Derrick Rose and a current John Morant. That is what Jaden Ivey is. He's going to be a bucket when he comes out of college.
0: Well, you just ruined that kid's career forever because there's <laughs> okay, no not way not, he's going to be D Rose or John I Moran mean,
2: I mean, back. Little, hold on. Okay, fine. So he's going to
0: be out of the league in two years. That's No, His play no,
2: style is very similar. Johnny Davis, I think, is a little bit overrated, but I think he is really good. And he's a similar player to Keegan Murray, where he's just he's just a straight bucket getter. He can go and give you twenty five every single night in his sleep. Um, there's a few there's a few foreign players coming over from Latvia and a few other areas that might make a splash late in the lottery, mid first round. So we'll see what happens with that, but I'm very excited for the draft tomorrow. I cannot wait to see where all these guys go. One of my favorite parts of the year. I used to be a, not be a college basketball fan at all. Ever since I started watching it in like 2015, it's been one of my favorite sports love tracking these guys growth from college to the NBA, but it's going to be a great night tomorrow. Last thing I want to get to, we're going to go to NFL Rob Gronkowski. We will never see another Gronk spike again, as he has officially announced his retirement on Instagram Now, I do want to just throw it out there. He did retire after Brady left New England and then came back to play in Tampa. So I don't want to say he's coming back, but with Brady and Gronk, you really can never rule anything out. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But focus more on the career retrospective and what he's done. I'll give his accolades. Four-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, four first-team All-Pro selections, has over 600 receptions in his career, almost 9,300 receiving yards, 92 total touchdowns. In my opinion, the best tight end to ever do it the most dominant, most unstoppable offensive force in NFL history. Connor, what are you going to remember most about Gronk and what was so great about his career while he was playing? Just sort
1: of the way that he sort of just like came on the scene and just dominated from day one. Like, like the connection with, um, with Gronk and Brady was unreal for all that time. Peyton, obviously you watched basically all of his career with, with Tom Brady. Um you know, like up close as a fan and and you got to enjoy it with all those Super Bowls and stuff. But you know, just just the way how he was like a good person and a great player. And obviously going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer is just what I remember. And obviously the spike, I mean, that's that's his that's his trademark. That's that's what people are going to remember him for. And just the way how he stepped up in big games was always like something that stuck out
0: to me. Yeah. I think his personality is probably my favorite part of him as a player. Just yeah. like throws caution to the wind. He's like a bull in a China shop. He's not fast, but somehow he's like run, outrunning DBs to the goal line and scoring much touchdowns. You know, he can't turn his hips, but somehow he's scoring back end zone fades or front pylon grabs where he has like a quarter of an inch of space to get the ball. Um, I think in terms of a matchup, he's probably one of the biggest matchup nightmares that coaches have seen in the last 20 to 30 years. I'd say Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown and Gronkowski are probably in like a league of their own. I think Travis Kelsey's also in that conversation at this point as being an absolute nightmare for linebackers. Um but yeah, Gronk was just uncoverable and nobody had ever seen it before. When Belichick, and I you know, not to talk about Aaron Hernandez, obviously, but when Belichick drafted Aaron Hernandez and Gronkowski, he knew exactly what he was doing and he was planning to change the game forever. And he did with those double tight end sets. He yes. absolutely changed the, the way that coaches approach one, double tight end sets and two, what you can do with multiple tight ends in your lineup. And even still now, I mean, Belichick grabbed Hunter Henry and, uh, what's his name? Oh my God. The kid from, uh, Giannis Smith in the off season, just to have that double tight end set it's something he's adopted ever since Hernandez and Gronkowski. So for that, I think they changed the game forever and Gronk obviously his longevity in his career was much longer than Aaron Hernandez. So, um, yeah, Gronk was a baller, and I'm definitely gonna miss his personality. Just the way he approached the game, his light for life is—he's just funny, rambunctious, just like a kid. You know, he just played the game like a kid, and it was definitely inspiring for the rest of Massachusetts and New England as a whole because he became like a legend instantly in New England. So, definitely gonna miss him.
2: Yeah, and one thing I wanted to point out too is just the amount of what an Iron Man that he was. Not in the not in, the, in terms of the fact that he never got injured, but more in the sense that. He was just, no matter what injury he was playing through, a broken back, a broken elbow, something with his knee, like he was, you would see him out there in in, in the Super Bowl in 2015 against the Seattle Seahawks. He was out there with a bionic arm, like this black, just like RoboCop arm on his right elbow. And he's out there making play after play, making plays against Camp Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, like all these different guys. That was the thing that really stuck out for me, just how much of a gamer this dude was. No matter what he was going through, he always tried to be out there on the field. He was taking massive hits over the middle from a lot of tough linebackers, tough safeties. He was just a baller, dude. He made plays when he needed to. He was, again, like I mentioned before you guys went, the most unguardable player on offense, I think, ever. Because a linebacker is too slow to be on him because he had sneaky good speed. Peyton and I were talking about this yesterday. He's not a super fast guy, but when he wants to turn the Jets on, he can. And a corner and a safety are too small. They would throw those iconic fade routes to the corner of the end zone. And you put up like, even with a linebacker on him, you couldn't, you couldn't stop those. And he was just so unstoppable. And obviously there were a lot of guys like, a lot of guys like Tony G, a lot of guys like Antonio Gates, that people will say, well, they were better. In my opinion, there's nobody. Nobody that was better than Rob Gronkowski for the law for the amount of time that he did it. How dominant he was! Like Connor, you said coming right out of the gate, he was dominant right out of Arizona. He came on the scene, played well from the get go, and he didn't really relinquish that even up until now in Tampa. He literally caught a Super Bowl pass in the uh, win against the Chiefs at the age of whatever, like thirty-four. How was it? 33, 34. He was still yep. old, banged up, and still catching uh, touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So. I have to go with Gronk. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to ask you guys now. Is he the best tight end in your opinion? Because for me, there's no doubt.
0: Yes. Uh, I think Gonzalez comes close. Yeah. Travis Kelsey's barking on that, barking up that tree. The problem is the tight end position is changing. You have guys like Jordan Reed, Darren Waller, um, even, uh, let me think of some, I, just those two I could name that are more built like receivers, but play the tight end position. The only two guys that I can think of that are comparable to Gronk or the only one guy probably is George Kittle because Gronk was an amazing receiver, but for whatever he did receiving, it didn't affect his blocking game. He still blocked guys in the next week. Kittle's the same way. Guys like Waller and Kelsey, their receptions at the end of their career are probably going to be higher than Gronkowski's. They're probably going to have close to more, maybe more yards or close to the same amount of yards and maybe even more touchdowns. But what they're not going to have is that ability on the line. And for whatever you can say about Gronk and even George Kittle, that's the thing with Kittle is that when he, like last year, everybody said, oh, well, he's blocked, like his numbers went down and they're like, oh, well, he's blocking more. And I thought to myself, Gronk always blocked a shit ton and his numbers never went down and he never stopped winning and he never stopped catching touchdowns. So it's not really an excuse for me to say, oh, Kittle's numbers went down because they put him on the line and they made him block more. It's like, well, Gronk did the same thing and his numbers never ceased to be amazing. So, um, yeah, I think he's the best and he's the most unique and the most uncoverable for sure. Um and he's still good on the line, like I said, so yeah he's he's definitely the the most well rounded and the best tight end of all time in my opinion.
1: Connor, what do you think? yeah, I definitely agree with really everything Peyton said. It's close between him and tony gonzalez, but i I just think gronk's you know ability to do everything that he was asked of, uh, whether that's have a game where you where you go out there and catch ten passes and a touchdown or two or you know, we're going to go heavy run and you have to be a big part of the blocking game and anything that he was asked to do, he was able to do well. So I'm putting, putting Gronk is the best of all time.
2: For sure. For sure. Last thing. So I know this is something I didn't plan to talk about, but I saw it this morning on Twitter and I wanted to bring it up. LaShawn McCoy, former NFL running back, a great one at that. He was on Brandon Marshall, former NFL wide receiver. He was on, or sorry, not Brandon Marshall, Chase Claypool. He was on Chase Claypool's podcast. And they were talking about Kenny Pickett. Obviously, Pickett um, is going to be the new quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, might be the starter for Chase Claypool. They were just talking about him. And LaShawn McCoy said something very interesting. He said that he sees no difference between Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett. Now, I was taken aback by this because maybe, you know, again, Kenny Pickett was a very talented quarterback in college at, at the University of Pittsburgh, but. Even in college, Joe Burrow really didn't do much until his senior season at LSU when he threw for 60 touchdowns, almost 5,000 yards. It was like the greatest season by a college quarterback really ever. Before that, he really didn't do much. But even since being in the NFL, he just played in the Super Bowl. And I think his leadership, especially as a guy under the age of 25, is probably one of the best that I've ever seen in terms of how he can lead his team, his ability, again, his nickname, Joe Cool. He just stays calm under pressure, doesn't really get too high or low, and he just continues to ball especially for the fact that Kenny Pickett hasn't even stepped on an NFL field yet. I find it very hard for LaShawn McCoy to be able to make that statement of just saying, oh, well, yeah, I see no difference. How can we even judge what the difference is when we haven't even seen Kenny Pickett step on a field yet? And we're probably going to see them play against each other because they're in the same division at some point. So that will be a better time to make that judgment. But right now, why, why would that be said, Connor? I don't get it.
1: You know, I'm, that's, that's sort of the thing. Like the dude hasn't even – Picked up an NFL football and you're already comparing him to a dude who just led his team to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, not that he needed any more, but that's sort of extra motivation for Burrow to go out there and just show who he is and what he can do. Uh, being compared to a guy that hasn't even played in the uh, NFL yet, so
0: it's it's, it's exactly what it is. Just a back it's a ridiculous take. It's a backhanded. It's disrespectful to Joe Burrow and it's a backhanded compliment to Kenny Pickett. That's all it is. Yes. Yeah, he's just trying to piss people off. Yeah. That's all it is. You can, if you read between the lines, you know exactly what he's saying when he says something like that. I'm not going to say it, but it's not rocket science.
2: Yeah. I just think I, for me, that was just really hard to hear because even again, Joe Burrow had multiple 500 yard passing games this season. Like it, it wasn't it's not even that Joe Burrow. Cause a lot of people will say, well, he's not as talented as guys like Herbert or Lamar, but he is a better leader than them. And I can see that, but it's not like Joe Burrow can't put up numbers. The guy can throw the damn football and he did it in college and he's doing it now. So I just really don't think it's, it's almost like with that Tua a comment that we talked about a few episodes ago, there was no need for Tyree kill to say that yeah. and in this situation too. I didn't really see a need for, LeSean. I mean, again, it's, it's a podcast. Things are going to be said that are like, Whoa, what the hell? Like, but, for Lashawn McCoy to go out and say that again, almost putting putting like unnecessary pressure on Kenny Pickett of comparing him to a guy again who just played almost won a Super Bowl was basically was fifty yards away from the end zone towards the end of the towards the end of the fourth quarter. You're going to compare that to Kenny Pitt. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Don't do that yet. Wait till he plays on. The, wait till we see head to head matchups with the two of them. Then we'll start talking about comparisons. But to
0: be fair, I think Kenny Pickett's going to be fantastic that's just my my take but i don't really
2: uh, i don't we can get into that now because that's uh, it's on point with this i think
0: i think i think he's gonna be i think he's gonna be good
2: connor do you think kenny pickett has a bright future in the nfl or no
0: um
1: you know i it's tough yeah yeah uh just because i think that um uh mike tomlin's gonna be unreal with him you know the dude's never lost never or never had a uh, record below 500 in his career in the NFL as a head coach so you know for for Kenny th- this is this is the perfect spot he's he's staying where he's comfortable he's already I mean he he's played at Heinz Field throughout his entire college career he's got one of the best coaches in NFL history on his side you know I, I I would expect him to struggle at first but you know we, we don't know because just uh Tomlin's just an unbelievable coach but I, I expect Kenny Peckett to have a really good career yeah
2: it's hard to say right now because there is still kind of a quarterback competition within that organization a little bit. So I. Who's, who's competing? Mitchell. No, Mr. Mitch Miski, I believe. Right. Oh,
0: my God. We're joking. I mean, maybe. Sure. <laughs> I'm confident in Kenny Pickett because of Najee Harris. Najee Harris is the biggest security blanket of all time. That's why Trevor Lawrence, I would have been much more confident in Trevor Lawrence last year if Travis Etienne was in the backfield with him. Because that security of an elite running back, especially with Pickett's ability to run. It's huge like, for a young, young quarterback. Yeah, And for read, off, like you could run a million read options with Najee Harris and Kenny Pickett. Najee Harris is probably one of five guys that you could actually hand the ball to 40 times in a game, and he still wouldn't be tired by the end of it. You know what I mean? And having that ability to have a bell cow in the backfield, I mean, that's massive for a young quarterback. That's why I think Zach Wilson is going to have a much better year because of Michael Carter. I think if you, if you lean on the run a little bit heavier with a young quarterback, that's why Mac Jones played well and people were surprised because the Patriots leaned on the run all year. So when he did throw the ball, he didn't look terrible. If you have no run game and you force a young quarterback to throw the ball 40 mm-hmm. times, 45 times in a game, then yes, he's going to look like shit. I mean, why are you surprised? With yeah. Kenny Pickett, he's not going to throw the ball a lot, but when he throws it, he'll throw it well, and when they hand it off, they'll run the ball well. That's what Lamar Jackson did. Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball a lot, but when he threw it, he threw it pretty decently, and people were surprised. Yeah. Because they didn't force him to throw the ball 50 times because that's not what he is. That's, Kenny Pickett's not going to throw the ball more than 50 times one game during the season, I guarantee you. But I don't think he'll play bad. Yeah, we'll Tomlin what- knows what he has. He's not stupid.
2: Yeah. We'll see what happens, especially with uh, Juju not being there anymore. Chase Claypool is probably going to have to be the number one receiver stepping in there, but we'll see how that all works out. Um, yeah, that's going to wrap it up, though. We covered a lot of stuff in this show. There was a lot of different t- topics to get into, but I really, really enjoyed this episode. A lot of fun debates. I did get heated about a few things, but that's what happens on this show. You know what it is. Thank you guys so much for listening to another great edition of The Cold Hard Truth, and we will see you guys next time.
0: See you, Peace. guys. Thank you.